0: Welcome to Green Wave Radio. Your episode starts now.
1: Hi, welcome back to another season of Green Wave Radio. I'm Hayden Kim. Today, I'm joined by four members of the Delbertin community to discuss a very serious issue facing our community and America. To give some context to this discussion, Black Lives Matter protests have sparked up across the United States in response to a series of police killings especially the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. While these killings are far away from school, the ripples of these actions affect every corner of the country. It is important to understand and discuss how these ripples affect our school and our community. Here's our discussion virtually over Zoom. Um, I guess um, Mrs. Merritt, you can go first.
2: Sure. So my name is Marjorie Pierre Merritt. I'm the mother of Wade Christian Merritt. Um, By profession, I'm an attorney, and I'm also a member of the Del Barton Parent Council on Diversity and Inclusion, which is an organization that supports the Del Barton administration in the promotion of diversity in the student body and in its faculty and administration and promotes inclusion through activities that foster awareness, build community, and enables a celebration of all races and cultures.
1: Lamachi,
0: tell me who you are. Give me your your class year as well. Uh, my name is Lamachi, and we're Madu. Uh, I'm a part of Del Barton, class of 2021. Um, I'm also a part of DAP, Diversity Among Peers, and I'm from Plainfield, New Jersey. Tell me, like, what year you
1: graduated? Uh, what university you go to? Um, your name. You know, anything else interesting we might want to know about you?
3: Yep, um, my name is Jordan Hubbard. I graduated Del Barton in 2017. I was the uh, president of. DAP, um, my senior year, once I graduated, um, I moved on to Drew University, which is about 15 minutes from Dalbarian, so I'm at Dalbarian quite often when I, when I can be there. Um, I major in psychology, and I minor in sociology, and at Drew, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a member of the Black Student Union I'm on the board. I'm the um, director of philanthropy and alumni relations for the Black Student Union at Drew.
4: Mr. Negan, tell me who you are. Thank you, Mr. Kim, Um, Tony Negrin, going into my eighth year this year at Del Barton as a freshman English teacher. Um, In addition to that, I am a co-diversity coordinator with Jenna Gomez, um, and we are co-moderators of the Diversity Among Peers group. Um, Varsity assistant baseball coach, middle school basketball coach, uh, moderator of the Council of Seniors, which is a student government group at Del Barton, as well as I am a member of the admissions team.
1: Um, A definite highlight of my freshman year when I was in your English class was, like, the roundtables discussions we always had. We even, when we didn't want to do work, we tried to bully you into having one because those were just so entertaining. And so, and it was such a great discussion. Um, When you have these roundtable discussions and you create the questions and you you organize it, what sort of dialogue do you want to look for?
4: You know, um, Hayden, the dialogue we want to have in the, specifically the freshman classroom, is open dialogue. And we're looking for authentic dialogue. And the hard part about being a freshman at anywhere, specifically Del Barton, is you hear so many things, as you allude to, in the news or at home, and you feel like you have to believe in those. What we try and do in the freshman year English course is really open up and be authentic and kind of take the lens of our literature that we we attempt to make as diverse as possible um, and utilize that in. The individual's lives. And what I found success in with those classroom exercises is that every student is authentic and open because we have that policy where anything that's said in the classroom stays in the classroom. And for eight years, um, you know, I know Lamachi can attest to this. I had him in class. Um, It it stays within the classroom. And, And that's kind of two things just the openness and the authenticity where you feel safe and you feel welcomed um is part of the freshman freshman course
1: thank you um my next question is to mrs Merritt. um you said you were part of the parent council for diversion and inclusion if i I got that right i think um you told us in your introduction what the council does but what exactly are some of the goals you guys want to achieve in the coming years
2: so um let me just give you a little bit of background first about the parent council Um, It is, it's called the Dalbotten Parent Council on Diversity and Inclusion. Um, This is the, uh, in the past year, it became a more formal organization. However, there were parents who have been working with both Tony Negrin and Jenna Gomez for several years now, um, working with them in order to create a more inclusive environment within the school. Um, So we've... uh, We've done a lot of work now to stand it up as an organization so that we can bring in more volunteers because there are many people across the the, uh, community who are interested in contributing to this effort. And we do it through a number of ways, right? Um, The most recent of which uh, you may be aware of, we held a community dialogue uh, soon after sort of the uprising and the unrest relating to the um, death of uh, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. And we had over a hundred participants uh, parents and faculty within the community who wanted to come in a, and just talk and share sort of their experiences um, as it related to the unrest as well as their experiences um, as a person of color both within the Delbarton Barton community and, and within the larger community. So really providing a space for the community to come together and talk about these things and hopefully create us a form of solidarity within the community so that we can all work together towards change. Um, We also have held a number of cultural events in order to not only educate, but create some form of awareness within the community around different cultures. Um, I know I personally um, took part in in the planning for the Black History Month celebration, I think which was well attended. And there we celebrated a number of of, uh, cultures of African descent, not just African-American, and um, you know, it was a beautiful opportunity. Um, in addition to that, we uh, work with and we provide a resource to both the administration as well as admissions to begin thinking about areas and ways to find pipelines to increase the diversity of the school, um, and also to provide any thoughts and ideas that we may have in order to enhance diversity, both in the faculty and in the administration. So we're really looking to just create not only community, but to build awareness to act as a resource all towards building diversity and inclusion within the school.
1: My next question is to Mr. Lamachi. Um, when, you first, when the news first broke about the death of George Floyd, um, what were some of the reactions you saw among your friends and your peers and classmates, either on social media or in person?
0: Well, to like my closest friends, it was like outrage and like anger. Because it felt like the lives of black people are not like valued in America. Yeah. And to like people who are not as close to me, it was kind of like, uh, they're still promoting awareness for Black Lives Matter. But I think like we've like asked for, we've asked for like awareness for way too long and it like demand, demand is the more appropriate message we need to promote demand for equality.
1: Thank you. Um, this is kind of a simpler question to you, Jordan, because at the next level, at this time in like college, um, what are some of the changes you'd like to see like in universities around the United States as far as you know, social justice considering the events this past summer?
3: So uh, I am speaking from my own school's point of view about things that I want to see, uh, see changed as... More uh, representation among faculty and among uh, staff at your university. Um, uh, a big thing around people our age is the improvement of mental health and and um, just more education on that. And you know, there's a lack of diversity in our counseling center. There's a lack of diversity in our in our public safety system. Um, there's a lack of diversity amongst professors and things like that. And we also felt that a, a lot of our a lot of people at school did not have the the necessary training for um like the necessary diversity training because there was often a lack of response from many people many um, much of the administration when when things happened um in life and it was very upsetting to a lot of students. Drews the Drews very liberal school, so there's a lot of progressive um and forward thinking people so we had our own um. Demands sent to the school, our student government, um, the Black Student Union, and other organizations at school—all—all all, um, you know had had something to say. So, it, it's great seeing the, a co- collective action from so many of your peers to to show support for something that you know many of us are personally affected by and that we're so passionate about. Um, and it's just nice to see that so much of us are trying to take action. I don't think much change has happened yet, but. I'm just glad that's we're trying to do something. All
1: right. Um, transitioning more into the discussion questions now. This was the previous two were like, focused questions to you guys. They get to know you guys, get to know your viewpoints. Um, these next few questions aim to split discussion between you guys. So I'm not going to do a lot of talking unless we. I felt like the conversation has gone, has run its course. And I'll move on to another question, if that makes sense. Um. Um, do you th- uh, the first question is, do you think the murders of George Floyd and the death of Breonna Taylor and others like them have changed how society views people of color and, and the social justice movements like Black Lives Matter?
2: So, so let me just give you a, a couple of thoughts, if that's okay. Um, I do think that um, these instances have shed light on the subject, but I don't think it's necessarily changed how society as a whole views people of color and social justice movements like Black Lives Matter. You know change is not something that can occur overnight in any circumstance um, putting the focus on these individuals it definitely humanizes them and it promotes empathy and is that desire to foster change and social justice causes are aimed to protect the well-being and rights of people of color in this country and movements like the black lives matter movement have empowered people of color to speak out in their communities but at the larger communities um are not listening or or don't choose to listen and truly help guide the change that we're all seeking the change will not occur but i'm still cautiously optimistic uh we've been living with racial inequality and injustices for a very long time however seeing people of all races come together in a stand against racism gives me a sense of hopefulness of what this community can look like and the work we can do to make this an inclusive environment
3: I agree with Mrs. Merritt. Um, definitely, I, I. Um, it's been nice to see so so much pay, uh, attention being paid to to things like this, but I still don't think that much has happened. There hasn't been much change at all. And here's where I actually don't agree with you about the the optimism. I've been more cynical about what's going on because it, you know I think we've been asking for for this for a very long time. People of color have been fighting this fight for so many years, so many centuries, in fact. And, you know, things like this still happen. You still see more ignorance. You, you, you At this point in time, you would hope that um, people would understand and people will open their eyes and, and pay attention to what's actually going on. And the reason I feel so cynical sometimes is because it's a very systemic issue. It goes so deep, and it's so ingrained in the American fabric of the, the treatment of, of colored people, of, of people who are different according to the standard quo. And, um, you know, it, it's very ironic that this country was founded on equality for all men because it's written in our Constitution for everyone, but everyone knows that that's not true. It, it's it's going to be a very long fight, and... Um, I there is some hope with what I see going on from from some people, um, from from the masses that have come out and, and tried to make a difference, but it's I know it, it's going to take so much more time and so much more effort, and that's where I I feel like saying cynical is bad, but I I don't I don't know, I have my I have my uh my doubts sometimes.
0: Jo-
4: Jordan, um, I sorry Lamachi.
0: Uh, I was just gonna say I com- I agree with Jordan. Because, like, when you watch that video, I would, like, Doc Rivers say this about how just kneeling down for, like, more than two minutes you need has to hurt. But for him to do it for, like, eight minutes, when you see that video, like, it has to change you. It has, you have, like, I just don't understand. Actually, like, I do understand. And for the question, I agree with Mrs. Merritt about how change cannot happen over a day. Or just because of one video, but can affect that video can affect someone's life. I think like people just people just just shy of racism of being racist. Like people who are accustomed to having a life shut off from black people. The person that says, "Oh, maybe he should have just followed the law," or "Oh, he was doing something wrong." Like if they watch that video, like obviously you can't keep on saying that excuse over and over again. You have to say it's now, and now it doesn't become like a partisan issue. It's right versus wrong, so I think that has to affect their life. The people just shy of racism, the clueless, the people oblivious. So, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. good,
4: great point, Lamachi. And I think that speaking from um, being at Del Barden now for my eighth year. Um, it's amazing the changes that have been made. And we all understand as a community that we're not even close. Um, The strides that under the leadership of Father Michael has been great Um, and he's doing a tremendous job. And with the work that Mrs. Gomez, Mrs. Jenna Gomez did with our faculty and our community this summer, it was so empowering and we hope that it was empowering that we're seeing a change in regards to the number of students who want to get involved with diversity among peers, as well as, believe it or not, the faculty members who are just begging to get involved and be around um, our community, our our small community of DAP, but they want to be involved. And we're seeing a big buy-in factor right now to a point where I think, Jordan, when you were a senior, you would have hoped and you would have wished for um, so I do think that while as a country we're we're slow moving in the process, as a smaller community at Del Barden, we are making exponential strides to get to get to the proper place, to get to a place where social, there's social justice um, and equity for all. And um, you know, and as you know, Mrs. Merritt pointed out, the parent council has been a huge huge asset to to our work as a school and we're, we're forever thankful for them and continue to be thankful for them. Um, but more personally um, when when the tragic news occurred um, and came to you know came to my my foresight back in early June um, I, was, I, was, I was I was very upset and as a teacher and as a coach who, who's supposed to, um, empower and, and to treat everyone equally. All I could say is, I, I, I want to listen. And I think that as a community right now, we need to listen. Most of us cannot understand. We can't pretend to understand, but we have to listen. And just, you know, we have to listen with the ear of our heart, just like St. Benedict taught us. And I think that um, that's that's a necessity for us at this current moment.
1: Okay, Um, the next question I think we should look at is, um, do you think, focusing, you know, the conversation back on like Burton and taking what we see in the news and bringing it back to school, making it personal, because a lot of people, Delbertin is a very personal thing to them. It's your school. You represent the school. And I'm sure, Jordan, you're very, you were very proud to have come from the Button and the experiences you got here. So, oh yeah, you love <laughs> for those at home, Um, Jordan wore a Delbutton track and field shirt to the interview today. Um. Um. So, to think, like, do you think that people at Button, which is, I'm not, don't mean to sugarcoat it, but it is a majority white school, uh, by a lot, are comfortable talking about these issues? And if they aren't comfortable talking about these issues, why do you think that is?
3: From my experience, no, I don't think many students are comfortable at all, um, talking about it. So when I graduated my senior year, we had three black people, um, in my entire grade, and. It's funny enough, we all happened to know each other before we even got to Del Barton. Um, so it was, Del Barton students have a lot of pride and they take a lot of pride in their school and it feels like a family. It feels like a brotherhood. And you know when they say the brotherhood of Del Barton, it, it's true. Um, and I, I was proud to be a Del Barton student, but it wasn't without its, its issues. Um, I was very much so aware of, of my skin color, of my socioeconomic status, of a lot of things while I was at Del Barton. Um, And quite frankly, many students don't pay attention to it because it doesn't affect them. Um, Yes, they may have black friends and and whatnot, but at the end of the day, they don't have to deal with the issues that uh, students of color have to deal with. Um, I've heard the N-word of Del Barton. I've... um, I've seen a lot of things that, that shouldn't have happened. I've heard a lot of things that I shouldn't have heard at Dobarton. Um, and oftentimes, well, I can only speak for myself, but I know sometimes you didn't necessarily want to speak up because you were the overwhelming minority. Um, you were going to have many students that didn't agree with you, and sometimes you, I didn't always feel comfortable speaking up because I was usually the only one, only, only person of color in my classes. Um, so if something occurred, I, I often was alone. Um, and that can be very, that can, for, for some people that can be very, um, and like an unnerving, very uncomfortable situation. Um, and, but it's reality. Um, but through DAP, through having Miss Negren, and then eventually Mrs. Gomez and eventually, uh, Mrs. Alicia, I, I felt, I felt more at home. Um, I knew I had people that were in my corner that would support me and, and, um, understood what I was going through and, um, saw the potential in all of us and knew that we could, we could be great. And not even in despite anything, just because we were great people. Not because of the odds that were stacked against us, not because there was, there weren't a lot of us that came from the same background at this affluent school, but because we were here, because we worked hard, just like everyone else. Um, and, and we deserved that opportunity to be a Del Barton uh, so without without those people and without having DAP it would it would have been very difficult I don't know if I would have enjoyed my time at Del Barton as much as I did I don't know if I'd wear Del Barton clothing pretty much every day because I have so much um, of it if it wasn't for those people um, and the the work that we did to try to educate everyone else uh, it was very special and I think that's all you can do at the end of the day because if, if you once you enter the Del Barton community, it becomes very important for you to help preserve it and to help uh, to to add something to it. Um, and that's that's what I think we, we try to do with DEP and, and for students like you, Hayden, who try to get a message out um, to educate the other students. And I think that's really important for young men and coming through Del Barton to understand and to learn and to, and to want to do that themselves um, to put more good out into the world.
4: And Jordan, you know, it's thanks to you and thanks to your classmates in DAP, who started the Many Voices One Brotherhood workshops that take place in the spring that enabled the openness to talk and to talk about issues of racism and social equality and social justice. And to go back to the question, students that attended those workshops or went to, um, diversity conferences whether they were the mid-atlantic regional one or the student diversity of leadership conferences um, that are that's a national one those are the students who do feel comfortable Hayden in speaking about such topics and it's it's kind of funny every year freshmen do not want to engage in talking about literature that they're uncomfortable with or that they are unfamiliar with And it's my job as a teacher, especially a a teacher of such bright young men that we're trying to cultivate as leaders of this world to get into that place of uncomfort and kind of adapt motto is lean in, lean into the discomfort. And it's amazing to see once that kind of ice is broken in the classroom, the conversations, as I stated before, are very authentic and kind of free flowing and open. And that's something that why we you know strive at Del Barton is to engage our students with so many conversations
0: regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And that's something that we're always going to strive for. Um, to add on to what Mr. Negrin said, uh, and also to go back to the question, uh, no, I don't think that uh, the white majority in our school is comfortable, uh, but. The reason why I think that is because, as I said, like, most of the white people in this group, I believe, have, before Delgar and have, uh, how do I say this? I don't want to, uh, yes, lack of, lack of knowledge, lack of, and uh, a life shut off from black people. So, yeah, that's the, that's the best I want to say.
1: Um, okay, um you guys already kind of talked about this, but I think we can kind of go deeper into it. Um, how do you think you can we can start having the kids open up as a school? How can we as a school open up to these kind of conversations and discussions? what either tools can we use? what ways do we approach these issues to make it seem like less of oh, we're preaching like we're trying to preach, oh, you must do this and more of a discussion talk trying to get to know each other better.
0: Yeah. Um, So I oh. It's okay. I'll wait. I'll wait.
2: (laughs) Okay. Well, I, I just wanted to say that um, you know, the one thing that we can't do is pretend that the social, political, and cultural issues in our larger society outside of the school environment are not impacting the school environment as well. Um feelings about current state of affairs are present whether or not they're being expressed um in the classrooms. They're being expressed in other ways that may come out not necessarily in a way that we think is appropriate. So I think it is important for um, for us to create safe spaces for these discussions, uh, whether it's at the student level or whether it's at the parent level through sort of the the community dialogues that the uh, parent council is is looking to uh, continually create throughout the school year. Um, I also think that it's important to increase diversity starting from the board of trustees, the faculty, the administration and the students. Um, the more diversity that there is within the school, I think the easier these conversations may be, because it won't be that um, some of the students in the school feel like Jordan indicated that they're the only ones, and so they cannot, you know, speak to this issue. They cannot raise a particular issue. Um, they may feel more comfortable if the numbers are a little bit larger to say, um, let's 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 give this situation a little bit of thought, and let's talk about what's happening here. Um, I think there needs to be a curriculum which teaches and celebrates all cultures and presents a balanced view of history and you know not just emphasizing um black history as an example during black history month Um, it should be a part of the normal dialogue so that current events that may reflect um, history can be discussed comfortably and normally within the classroom environment Um, and also i just think that the administration and the staff should remind students uh, the core diversity and inclusion principles that the school abides by because this may empower all students uh, with the ability to say that certain behaviors are just not okay um, and I think that's where the real change occurs where there's a there, where a student is holding another student accountable um, because they understand what's right and wrong and what's appropriate to say what's appropriate not to say what's mm-hmm. not appropriate just as a few examples so I'm sorry want please go ahead
0: uh, it's okay. Uh, I was gonna say uh, to open discussion, we should we should lay out the facts because like people could always have their own opinion or do whatever to make them feel comfortable about their lifestyle. But if we hit them with the facts like the truths behind redlining and black people being shut out of certain neighborhoods, uh, mass incarceration, starvation wages, you know just the facts so people truly know the injustice happening yeah, that's the way to enable the discussion at least
1: okay I think there was a lot of great points um so um something that's often uh, I mean this is kind of me so I kind of uh, uh, made this question in order towards like what I believe um I believe when we're dealing with race um I'm in, I'm Asian so like it's a little bit different I don't I came in several several generations after many of the first African Americans came over here in slave ships. Um, but for me, I feel like it's a little bit of unconscious bias. A lot of people don't know that what they're saying is racist or like offensive. A lot of people just don't know. And when you see... A black guy, a black guy, a black male, I should say, walking down the street, you automatically feel threatened. Not because you're a racist, but because that's how the culture has formed you to be. It's unconscious. It's not anything fault with you, but fault with the, of the culture that you grew up in. So I kinda wanted to say, like, what role do you think, like, unconscious bias in not only the culture, but in the media, and in your classmates maybe, plays a role in how people react to, like, these social justice initiatives? If that makes sense at all. <laughs>
3: I think unconscious bias plays a huge role um, and in situations like that because I think a lot of people are racially illiterate. Um, it's Many people don't understand the definition of race, um, ethnicity, nationality, and, and things like that because it's hard to define exactly what race is um, because anthropological research and bi- biological research shows that race has no basis in biology. It's a completely made-up uh, concept because if you, if you look at DNA between a, a person from Africa and a person from Europe, their DNA is often closer. It, it matches more than two people from an African, uh, an African nation. So I think unconscious bias is, um, is definitely a huge factor because racism is so ingrained into America. Um the U.S. was built on the backs of slaves, and it's it's so much of it is it's built into to the system into the structure of the United States that it's it's um it's somehow unnoticed, but but still so very much so there. It's like it's underneath it's underneath the country. It's um it's a huge issue that is going to take a lot to to change, but um, that definitely plays a part. So um.
2: I agree with you completely, Jordan. Um, unconscious bias is very prevalent um, and it's within everyone, right? We all have different unconscious biases about different topics. Um, some are just more uh, impactful and dangerous than others. Um, I wanna give you just a very, very simple example of one that I've heard many times, which applies to the Del Barton community as well, where um, a person asked me and they were just being very you know, authentic and asking me the question honestly. And they said, would increasing the diversity at a school like Del Barton uh, cause the, uh, you know, the academic reputation of the school to be negatively impacted? So when you unpack that statement, it's filled with unconscious bias, right? Um, because one, it's, you know, it's an assumption that there aren't sufficient black people Uh, with the academic powers to be successful at Del Barton. And then when you look at the individuals who are black at Del Barton, then that must mean that there's an unconscious bias or an assumption that they must be different somehow, (laughs) right? Um, And then there's an unconscious bias that all the individuals of the majority population at the school must all be A students. (laughs) Because, um, you know, obviously, you know, they're not bringing down the academic reputation of the school, which, you know, all of those statements are untrue, right? So in that simple statement, you recognize how many stereotypes and unconscious um, uh, uh, biases make up a very simple question about uh, attendance at a school like Del Barton. Go ahead,
3: go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry mr um <laughs> I, right,
2: definitely,
3: I definitely agree with Mrs. mayor because stuff like that I, like I, I've experienced that um explaining to particularly white parents asking me like how did I get into El Barton they ask you what school you go to say El Barton and, and I had one parent in particular say to me oh it must be on a uh, like a football scholarship. I no, I don't play football. I got into Del Barton strictly on academics, so it's an academic scholarship. Um, so it's the unco- – I'm sure it was a – well, at least I hope um, it was an innocent question, but the unconscious bias of assuming because I was I was black, and I'm a short, stocky person, so it looks like I played football. Um, I played freshman year, but that's about it. Um, it's – I guess based on what I look like, he assumed that I played football, and that that's the only way I could get into a school like Delbarton, not because I'm smart enough to be to be there. Um, I think back then it didn't really hit me until I thought about like years later that 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 that's something that that I've experienced. That's actually um,
4: real. Yeah, I, and, and thanks for sharing that, Jordan. And you know, Marjorie, I think that statement that was made to you or the question I should say is the definition of unconscious bias and that's you know it's the timing is everything and two weeks ago um, as part of our faculty orientation we had Dr. Allie Michael come in and part of her conversation with us was about unconscious bias and how it starts with us as teachers in the front of the classroom and how we have to recognize our blind spots and I think until We as a faculty do that 100%. We cannot expect our students to be fully aware of their blind spots as well. And I think that, again, we've started it and and most of our faculty has bought in to recognize it. And we need 100% buy-in to help that because until we do that, we we can't get full diversity at our school Um, because then it it leaks into the admission side of things where we have you know, prospective students and families who don't see a, a full buy-in. And that's something that we've kind of wrestled with and grappled with for the last three or four years. And we've lost fantastic diverse students um, to other institutions because of that, because of the, the um, you know, for lack of a better term, not 100% buy-in from our community in regards to realizing blind spots and recognizing them. So I do think that um, we were, we're in the right direction for sure. And it was, it was, it was the the catalyst was Dr. Allie Michael two weeks ago when she presented to us as a faculty.
1: All right. Those are wonderful examples and you guys did a fantastic job breaking it down for us. Um, As a school that is known to create, you know, future industry leaders and future influential members of society what steps can we take in order to root out this sort of unconscious bias or we do we even need to do you think it'll work out its way out
0: by itself um i say the first step is always like respect like respect of like dignity respect of background and yeah i would say that knowing that everyone is on an equal footing is the first step to eliminate that bias, so yeah.
2: Um, Hayden, um, I don't think unconscious bias is something that can ever work itself out, um, unless uh, there is some work that is being done to help an individual to do that. Um, Essentially, it requires uh, learning how to be self-aware, understanding and being aware of some of the biases that may be impacting your decision and your views, and then making a conscious decision not to react based on that conscious bias. So I don't think that's anything that can be done naturally. I mean, I'm thinking even in a corporate setting that people are trained um, to uh, learn how to identify unconscious bias and not make decisions on behalf of a company based on those decisions, whether it's hiring, or even whether it's in business, um, whether it's in suppliers, et cetera. So I think we need to be intentional um, to provide the students the tools with which to um, combat that, including providing them with more of an opportunity to learn more about sort of the cultures and the people that um, where some of these cultural biases uh, may stem from. Okay, so what I say is if we wanna develop racially competent industry leaders and influential members of society who will promote a nation of empathy as well as fairness and human distancy, then we need to take very proactive steps to root out unconscious bias as well as challenge conscious bias.
1: Wonderful answer, thank you. Um, I think this will probably be um, my final question. Um, Actually, no. Wait, let me think. Um, kind of going back to the point, uh, before about like you know unconscious bias at Dalberton and trying to you know find ways to, uh, find ways to what's the word, um, self-monitor, I guess. Um, what what programs would you suggest here at Dalberton? And this come from anybody. What programs do you want to see happen at Dalberton that would help the students? Understand whether the what about what they're about to say has unconscious bias in it, or if the decisions they're making is based on the
4: unconscious bias. Well, I think you know, um, Hayden, we have had a program at Del Barden, um, and Gap goes without saying, but the social justice workshops, and I'm pretty sure Jordan, you might have led some when you were a junior or senior, and I know Lamachi, you led one last year as a junior. I think those not only for freshmen, but they should be opened up to the whole community where we take that day or days as it is now and really key in on those factors as a community. Um, You know, they've done a great job for the freshmen. um, And I think that it has struck a chord with many of the freshmen for years. But I, I just wonder, what if we opened it up to the entire student body? I think that's one that's already built into our schedule. And I could go on and on. Uh, Mrs. Gomez and I have a laundry list of, of things that we could get done um, for our students. But I do think that's the first area where we can, if we could get the whole student body involved, I think that would you know, uh, provide us with a great opportunity.
3: I agree with Mr. Negrin. I just think that uh, that stuff has to be put into the curriculum of the students. Um, there should be more. Uh, that's a point Mrs. Mary made earlier about how, how a lot is a lot of this information needs to be put into the curriculum, not only for the students but for also um the staff. Um. And, and that so that way many students will will get to um. will get the information that they need and can, like you said, self monitor um what they're about to say um because that way they have the tools and the information hopefully understood um, and, and can think well should I be saying this can I say that or what what are, what are my actions uh, showing ab- about me what can I do to be more of an ally instead of um, being ignorant ignorant towards the um the situation so I, I definitely agree with, with mr Egren and that it has to be in the curriculum to
1: A big thank you to Mrs. Marjorie Merritt, a member of the Dalburton Parent Council for Diversity and Inclusion, Lamachi N. of the class of 2021, Mr. Jordan Hubbard of the class of 2017 and current student at Drew University, and Mr. Tony Negrin, a freshman English teacher and co-moderator of the Dalburton Diversity Among Peers group for taking part in this episode and helping to shape the discussion. I hope this discussion helped anyone better understand themselves, their peers, or give context to the events happening in this nation. It is perfectly okay not to know something. Do not be afraid to ask questions or to clarify anything as to not be offensive or derogatory. This discussion was a lot of fun, and I was very excited to be a part of it. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.